Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and thanks to my family, my dad, my grandfather, my uncle, I have been in the scanning hobby since about the time that I could walk and probably talk. You see, my family has always had a scanner radio going somewhere in their homes, and my grandparents had one in their kitchen, and I remember that vividly while growing up. My father always had one around, and so did my uncle, and they passed their love for scanning down to me. My mission here on Scanner School is to pass that love and a lifetime of knowledge in the scanner radio hobby to you. So if you're new to the hobby or a seasoned user, we aim to bring you something new each week to help you enjoy the scanning hobby. And maybe you may learn a thing or two along the way. If you have any questions or are stuck or need help, need answers, etc., etc., look, I'm here to help you out. It's what I love to do. You can find plenty of help over on our Discord server by requesting one-on-one tutoring or by submitting your questions for our monthly Q&A sessions. And all of those links are down below in the description of this podcast. And of course, you can always go to our website, scannerschool.com. So on this week's podcast, this is a whole session dedicated to all of those who have antenna restrictions. If you live in an apartment, a homeowners association, maybe you are renting and you can't drill holes and put up antennas, or maybe some of you have restrictions such as your wives who will not allow you to deface your home with different types of antennas. I know I went through that for quite some time, and then one day I just started putting antennas up because, you know, it just happened, (laughs) and that was the end of that argument. But for those of you who don't really have issues with antennas, you kind of forget, you know, just how difficult this hobby can be to those who have to put up with certain types of restrictions. I mean, could you imagine having this really expensive, high-end performance car in your garage and have to put the weak octane gasoline in there, right? Come on, you want to put the high octane stuff in there. You want to maybe tweak it up maybe once in a while and put some racing fuel in there if you can afford it, right? You want to be able to let those ponies go, right? You want to be able to fire on all cylinders, so to speak, and just just give it all it's got. And when you don't have the good gas, you know, it can get good performance. And if you can't put that antenna outside, well, the same thing kind of happens here. But listen, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not an oncoming train. There are ways to cope with living in apartments, homeowner associations, rentals, or just a very stubborn landlord, our spouses, that will keep us from really, really going forward and putting antennas outdoors. Now, listen, I know a guy personally who not only was renting a house, but could not put anything permanent to the structure. And he had antennas all over the place, outdoors, and was operating like gangbusters, put many people to shame on their permanent installations in his rental house. 
We'll talk about him towards the end of the podcast episode. But before we do that, we need to ask ourselves, do we really need a better antenna? Take a listen to session number 243 of the podcast to kind of understand that question. But remember, too, we need to keep things simple. Or is good enough good enough? Again, we talked about that on podcast session number 197. So again, let's really recap 243 here. We'll do it really quickly. Do you really need that extra aftermarket antenna? Will it improve your reception over a stock antenna that comes on top of your radio or on the back of your desktop radio? Will that antenna that you have out of the box work fine for you? We have to ask ourselves, what are we listening to? Is it going to be conventional, simplex, or trunk systems? Who are we trying to listen to or who are we trying to hear? Are we trying to listen to public safety, aviation, marine, railroads, amateur radio, GMRS, VHF, UHF, trunk systems, satellites? Do we need general receive here? Because all of these can dictate whether or not an external antenna is going to be required or will help us out here. And of course, we didn't cover everything. I mean, obviously, if you're one of these guys that likes to go out there and find that RF that you shouldn't be listening to, you're different than the person that just wants to listen to the local county fire and police, right? Your needs and your wants are much different than the casual listener. And again, maybe we need to rein in the hobby a little bit based on where it is that we live at the time. We may not be able to listen to satellites. You may not be able to have that Yagi array outside, right? But you can work around certain things and maybe you can find a little happy medium as to what it will be work well for you. So, one of these things that we have to go back through too and understand what it is that we can expect out of our radios, right? That's what I was getting at here. Can you normally hear these stations with the antenna that came with your radio, right? Can you normally hear your local fire? Can you normally hear your local police encryption aside? Can you normally hear the trunk radio system? Well, when it comes to conventional, that's a possible maybe. It depends where that station is transmitting from, how high they are, and what kind of power they're pushing out at the transmitter end. When it comes to simplex, that's a whole other ballgame. That's point to point. That's a probably not. A probably maybe. <laughs> a maybe not, right? Simplex is tough because depending on the amount of power output that the unit is pushing out, right, where they are located, they could be on the side of a hill. You're never going to hear them. It could be a portable radio pushing out two watts at a fire scene, and even with an outdoor antenna, you may never hear them because they're too far away from you. But trunk systems, you might be able to hear perfectly fine. Maybe you'd be able to hear them even better with the set-top antenna because you are eliminating simulcast, and an outdoor or a better antenna might actually be more harm than good, and we've talked about that on other podcast episodes as well. So let's break it down again. Conventional frequencies are typically repeated and can be in the VHF, UHF range. These frequencies typically work pretty well with penetrating buildings and getting indoors. But every frequency, too, has limitations, right? They don't go on forever and ever. If you're trying to pick up a frequency across town, across the county, or across 
a county away from you, another county away from you, you will most likely improve your reception with a aftermarket air quotes here, outdoor antenna, because again, we might have to keep these outdoor antennas indoors. And we're going to talk about that. But with simplex, right, these are point to points. And even on your street, like we said before, with the, with the person at the fire scene putting out two awesome and a handy talkie, you're not going to hear them. You're going to have to learn that, yeah, I'm not going to be able to hear them. And again, even with an outdoor antenna, you may not even be able to hear them either. But you got to remember, if you're into aviation, if you're into marine, if you're into railroading, these are typical also point-to-point simplex transmissions where really you're really going to want that third-party outdoor or that outdoor indoor antenna because that set-top antenna is just not going to cut it for you unless you're just going to hear the Coast Guard and that's all you're going to listen to or you're going to hear the rail dispatcher or maybe you'll just hear the planes that are flying directly overhead, not the planes that are five miles out or something like that. But if all you do is listen to a trunk system, you might find the antenna that came with your radio in your apartment, indoors, maybe in the basement apartment if you're a cave dweller, right? Might work well for you. Because you have to remember, these trunk systems these days, they are built with certain specifications in order for them to be approved by the purchasing agency. That might be 90%, 95%, 98%, whatever it is that's in their specifications. They have a value that they want that trunk system to be at. And what's that value represent? That value represents coverage within the county. And sometimes, and most of the times, I would I think, is that that is the number that they want so that it is a hip accessible or portable accessible get on the network and get help type of threshold. They want a portable officer who is outside of their vehicle to be able to push the microphone button, the PTT, and to be able to communicate with the dispatching center. That could be how they establish percentage of coverage within the county or the area that they are building into. Now, you would think that if somebody could transmit into the trunk system, well, they can receive the trunk system because, again, without receiving the control channel, you're not going to be able to get on the control uh, the trunk system anyway. So if that is the threshold you would think likely that you would be able to receive that trunk system pretty well if you're within the geographical coverage area of that. Keeping in mind, too, that most of this and most of these thresholds are outdoor coverage, street-level coverage, not indoor coverage. Because, again, indoor coverage can be tricky. Walls, construction, even the type of windows that are involved can attenuate the signal that gets indoors. So short story here is that if you can hear what you want to hear now and you don't think that you need to improve it, then keep it simple. Use the antennas that are on the back of your radios and be done with it. Go with what works. Don't overcomplicate things. But what if things aren't working well for you right now? What if you're listening from a basement, right? You're a cave dweller. You're subterranean. What if your radio is located in an interior corner of the house, right, or the apartment? Well, that one's an easy one to try. Just move the radio and antenna to another spot of the apartment and see if your reception improves. Again, a lot of times with digital, it's a cliff. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. You start to get a little bit of a degradation in the signal where you start hearing the, 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 right? 
and then it's gone. It's done. It's off the cliff. You can't receive anything anymore. It's not like analog where you can listen through the squelch. So maybe by moving it closer to a window, an external exterior wall, you might improve your coverage enough in order that you are happy again. But here's something you could test and just see if you can expect improvement. Is go outside. Take your radio outdoors and see if you can start to hear something. Then you will know that it is, yes, your four walls that are attenuating the signal. At that point, you should say, well, if I can get a better antenna, something with a gain on it, I will overcome the loss and the attenuation of the walls that are surrounding me. And at best, I could expect to see the same coverage I'm getting outdoors. If we get anything better than that, oh, that's gravy. That's icing on the cake, right? That means that, hey, we're doing better than we were outdoors. We're doing better than we expected, and this will work. Now, we've got some great tips and solutions for you to work around homeowners associations, apartments, cave dwellings, and anything else that would restrict you from putting out an outdoor antenna. Hey, maybe you're just afraid of heights. Maybe you don't want to put an outdoor antenna because you don't like the way it looks or you don't want your neighbors knowing that you have a receiver inside the house. That's perfectly fine. There are many people out there that fall into that bucket. I don't like heights either. My very first antenna in my house was a disc cone inside antenna in my attic. I've talked about it before and we're going to talk about it after this break. And as a reminder, anybody who is a Patreon supporter at the $3 level or higher doesn't get this break. Everybody else will catch you in just one second. Would you like to avoid hearing this break in the podcast? Well, some of our Patreon supporters get to do exactly that. Think of Patreon as the PBS model of helping out Scanner School. For a monthly or yearly pledge, not only do you get to help support the podcast, but depending on your support tier, you can receive certain benefits. Our most popular benefit tier is our extra credit, or $5 a month tier. This allows you to sponsor us monthly or annually at a discount. And Extra Credit members not only receive an early release of a commercial-free podcast, again, this break is not in that podcast episode, but they also have access to early releases of YouTube videos, additional benefits such as squelchy sticker packs, discounts on our tutoring services, courses, and more. But if that wasn't enough, we have a great exclusive community set up just for our Extra Credit members, and it's great to catch up with them during our monthly member meetups. And these monthly meetups are also available for replay for anybody who is unable to attend that particular meetup. Members also have access to a private channel on our Discord server so they can also communicate with each other between our monthly membership meetup. You could become a Patreon supporter right now by going to scannerschool.com slash Patreon. Unication's G2 to G5 pages are great additions to your radio collection. Not only can they alert you with two-tone pager activations, but they can also monitor your local P25 simulcast systems that many scanner radios have problems receiving. And of course, many of our scanner school listeners are happily using their Unication pagers to scan their local trunk systems. How do I know? Because they've reached out to tell me. My company, East Coast Pagers, is an authorized Unication, Swiss phone, and Apollo pager dealer. We not only support departments and agencies, but also the home hobby user as well. Find us online at eastcoastpagers.com. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, and MURS, 
and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your Natcom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio magazine, as well as backup issues, too. To download your free sample issue or subscribe, visit natcommag.com. Do you feel lost when it comes to the scanner hobby? Are you looking for someone to answer your questions? Do you have a new radio and you need help understanding how it works? Or are you working on a big project and need somebody to bounce ideas off of? Do you need a little bit more personal assistance than what you can get from an online community? And are you looking for somebody to dedicate their attention and their time to helping you out when it comes to getting you unstuck with whatever it is that you are struggling with when it comes to the scanner radio hobby? I'm here to do just that. See, you can book me for a session right now where I'll sit on Zoom and do a video or a screen share with you just as if I am sitting across the table and helping you out. You can book your tutoring session right now by going to scannerschool.com slash tutoring. I can't wait to help you out. Chances are pretty good that you shop online and buy things online. So whether it's Amazon or eBay or Scanner Master, maybe you got a new radio and you're going to buy new software from Butel. You can help support the podcast with your online purchases. If you use our support page before buying things online, you can support our show without it costing you a single cent. So before you buy your groceries, your golf balls, your socks, or maybe a new radio, software, or whatever it is. We would love it if you could use our affiliate links before you make that purchase. And this will help support the show at no additional cost to you. Go to scannerschool.com support to find out how you can help us out. Thanks again. All right, so one thing that we have to remember when it comes to our antennas, especially when we are trying to hide them indoors, put them kind of in plain sight but hidden, Right, We have to observe polarity. You want your vertical antennas to be vertical, your horizontal design antennas to be horizontal, your cross-pole antennas to remain cross-poled. Right? Those are typically Xs. For our reception and for most of the scanning that we do, I would say for pretty much all of us, we want a vertically polarized antenna. That means the antenna is mounted straight up and down. Think about the antenna that is on your car. And again, that's kind of why we have vertical, vertically polarized antennas. But speaking of those antennas that are on our cars, we need to remember that there's a second part of these antennas. And that's the ground plane. The ground plane is the mirror image of the antenna through the metallic structure that it is mounted to the roof of your car. The antenna is half. The reflected version of the antenna is the second half, basically. You need, on most antennas, a ground plane or ground radials in order to make up that that part of the antenna. So if you are mounting a mag mount antenna outdoors, you might need to put a ground radial kit, a cake pan, an air conditioner, Something metallic to put that magnet on will work fine. So let's talk about townhouses and homeowners associations. And maybe you're just afraid of heights, right? Or you don't want antennas outdoors. Or you just moved in and you're trying to establish something like I did in my house 19 years ago. What's the first thing I did besides moving in and changing the locks on the doors? If you guessed putting a disc cone antenna up in the attic, you would be close to being correct. 
So yes, I've got one of those Radio Shack scanner radio antennas on the floor of my attic, just sitting there. I ran RG6 because it was available through the chase that runs basically the empty cavity that runs from the roof stack vent down to my basement. That's kind of what I use for a chase. And you know, it was pretty simple too. You just take a, like a, a, like a string, right? And you tie a couple of nuts and bolts to the end of it and you kind of start feeding it down, you know, between the, the gap in the floor, between the, the, the vent pipe and the attic. And, and eventually it makes its way down the basement. And then you tie off a snake to the end of that one or, you know, something else and you coax and you pull that back up to the attic. And now you've got a chase and you've got cats uh, RG6 running up there. Run one end to the antenna, the other end to my radio, and I was in business. I had an antenna now up in my attic that I was using, so I didn't have to use the antennas in my basement. Now, with my current trunk system I'm listening to now, guess what? I can use my antennas on my radios in my basement because the trunk system that was deployed after I moved in here has coverage that well at the time. The trunk system that was currently employed at that time didn't work that well. Another option, though, is if you don't have a dead space up in your attic that you can use, you can hide in, behind, like, in a closet or in a corner of your house, right? Again, mounting something inside like that may require ground radio kits. You could also try, if you live on a second story or maybe you have access to a patio, is putting something temporarily in the balcony space because at least that would be outdoors. You could see clamp it or something to the railing. It might stay hidden enough that people don't notice it. Or maybe you just put it on the floor of the patio up against and zip tied to the railing or the spindles right in the railing. Those are all options as long as they're not metallic. Of course, as soon as it's, it's metal, you're going to detune that antenna, right? So maybe you put something to space it away or whatever. Be creative. You're going to find out works, work, work, what works best for you is what I'm trying to say here. So again, if we have to keep something indoors, we just talked about it, a closet, dead space in a room, in the corner, right? Something like that. And you can always hide things in plain sight, Right. I'm not an interior decorator. I, 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 am, I am the worst at designing interiors, right? Uh, you put a couch, and to me, couches go against walls. <laughs> I'm not the kind of person that puts couches in the middle of the room because I don't know. I just never can never do that. But there are ways to hide antennas kind of in plain, plain sight. You can hide them behind large curtains. You can hide them behind tall plants. You can even get those accordion half walls, right? That, you know, you remember watching cartoons or like old Three Stooges TV shows and, you know, the woman goes behind the folding wall, right? She gets changed in dress. You can see her silhouette behind there as she's throwing her clothes over the, over the, the fake wall, right? And then, so that could be something that, I don't know, maybe looks good in your apartment and you're just hiding an antenna behind there. I don't know. That's something to think about, right? I know some people who are online on radio reference forums, and they talk about antennas by DPD production. They make antennas that are tuned, specifically tuned to certain frequencies, such as aviation, mill air, 700-800, and they lay flat against a wall. You can hide them behind curtains. I've never used any of these antennas personally, but they have gotten rave reviews 
on radio reference for those who have invested in those antennas. They're low pricey, but you can check them out. And again, we will put links in the uh, description of this podcast episode and on our website for DPD Productions. Another thing you can think about too is just straight magma antennas. And again, anything magnetic as a base will work as your ground plane here. So think about your air conditioner, a file cabinet, the top of your refrigerator, you know, because sometimes maybe you can hide it behind the, the cabinets or something like that, right? Even a cake pan will work fine as your ground plane. Now, Whistler makes really interesting mag mount antennas. In fact, one of them is even a discount antenna. And I've got a couple of these antennas. I ordered them probably a year ago. And if anybody is probably not surprised by now to hear that they are still in a box, because by now you kind of know that I like to buy things and keep them in boxes because I don't know. I just never get around to using them. Yeah. So they're still in boxes in my garage. If I ever decide to take one out, I'll let you know how well they work. But for now, looking at reviews online, yes, they seem to work fairly well. And again, we will put links to these in the description of the podcast episode. Now, what about when you have antennas outdoors and you can have access to outside, right? How do you get the coax out there and back in again? Well, MFJ made this great thing a long time ago that would go in a window. And it was basically a piece of plexiglass with RF connectors on it. And you would basically close the window on it. And then that would be your pass through. And again, I haven't seen that from MFJ in a while. But if we can find it, we'll put a link to that in the notes below. But what I can link to is something on Amazon you can buy. And again, you can use the link that's in the description to help out Scanner School here. But Comet makes a through feed. It's a jumper. It's got uh, SO239 connectors on either end, which are the uh, PL259 female versions. So you may need a couple of adapters to make it work for you. But it's basically just flat coax. It's basically that 300 ohm twin lead that is enough. It runs flat. You can slam a window on it if you had to very carefully. And that would allow you to then bring the coax inside the house, right? You're not drilling holes. The windows are still locked. And everybody is safe and secure, and you've got RF now coming into your place. That has been a solution that many people have been using for decades upon decades. So that is something that has been tried and true. Again, we'll put a link to that where you can buy it in the description and the notes for this podcast episode. So now you have a way of getting your RF from inside to outside, but what about getting your antennas outside? What if you have permission to put antennas outdoors but they got to be, you know, ground level, not mounted to anything. What do you do? So for those of you who are in cave dwellers, in basement apartments, a very simple solution would be, again, just get the antenna outdoors somewhere. Maybe you can put a mag mount on a air conditioning compressor, although I really don't really recommend that because the compressor could cause RF noise and interference. But it's something, you again, you may trade off and find out it's okay with what you need to do, right? Something outside this metal, an air conditioner, just something that you can you can attach to, right? Even you can probably screw something into a metal or I'm sorry, a wooden fence pole. You put a little L bracket on it and you can mount a, an antenna on there. Again, radial kits if you need one. But another option that you can think about that might make landlords happy is if you went to your local home center, you got a five-gallon bucket and you filled it with concrete or gravel and you put a five-foot mast in there, Right? This way, it's not buried in the ground. 
It can be moved. It is temporary to you, basically. You would run nylon rope, basically, from the mast to some stakes in the ground, so as guy wires, to keep it from knocking, being knocked over. And I think at that point, pretty much anybody would approve that because it's a completely temporary structure. You could use the comet uh, jumper we talked about to bring it through the basement windows. And again, when it's time to move, you just unhook everything and away you go. Just be sure, right, there's ways to get water out of that bucket. Put some weep holes down below just in case water seems to find its way in there. It doesn't freeze and destroy the bucket. But again, if it's gravel, you're going to have a problem. If it's concrete, so what, right? Heck, you may even be able to bury that a little bit if the landlord allows you to, and then you can pull the whole thing out of the ground afterwards. You never know. But remember my friend of mine that I was talking about at the top of the podcast episode that lived in a rental house, and he couldn't put anything onto the house? Let me tell you about this guy. He uh, was very resourceful. His radio room was in the basement, so all of his coax was basically zip-tied to the ceiling structure, right? The basement had exposed joists or or plumbing or something that he was able to tie to. So it was a little interesting going down to his basement and seeing coax hanging from all over the place. But again, he brought it outdoors using something that he jimmied in through the window. And out in the yard, he had a ton of fiberglass push-up masts with antennas on them that were guyed. It looked like a trapeze park, basically, in this guy's yard. He had poles and guy wires everywhere. But these 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 lift-up or these, these uh, telescoping fiberglass poles that he was using would go up upwards of like 30 feet. You don't need to raise them up all the way, 10, 20, whatever it is that makes you comfortable. But he was able to rent a house for him and his family, run the coax, from the basement where his radios were, out a window, two antennas that were telescopically mounted on fiberglass poles. And when it was time to move, he just took down all the telescoping poles, removed the thing that he had in the window for the pass-through, and unclipped all the zip ties from the basement ceiling. No harm, no foul. He may do with what he had. He was very resourceful about that. And if you are renting a place or you don't want to drill into your home or something like that, that could totally be an option for you. Again, may not work in an HOA, but it may work in an HOA too if it's a temporary structure. Maybe you go out there on a weekend when you want to play radio and you crank up your mast, you play radio for a little bit, then you crank it down and put it back in your garage. Yeah, it's a pain in the neck because every time you want to use it, you got to go out there and play around with it. But that's an option. Another option, too, that I use over here, too, is uh, it's foldover mast. I've sunk a mast in the ground in concrete, and I have a foldover bracket that I got from DX Engineering. I use that for my HF vertical antenna because if I ever have to lower that antenna myself, with the antenna being up 10 feet and the antenna being nearly 20 feet tall, yeah, that's a lot of antenna to bring down by myself. But the fold-over mast, I can do it single-handedly, basically. I just un- I just tight unloosen, I think it's two bolts or three bolts, and the thing just teeters down, basically. So that could be an option, too, to quickly bring something up and down if you're in a homeowner's association that will let you hide something like that in your backyard. What I'm saying here is, yes, I understand. Living in a homeowner's association, a rental, an apartment, or just with a landlord or a family member 
who doesn't allow antennas on your home, or maybe you just don't want antennas in your home, there are still ways to play radio and get an antenna or improve your reception so as, as much as you can. Be resourceful. Think outside the box. Some of these are just ideas here. It's enough to get the conversation started or get the wheels churning inside your head. If you have ideas, you want to bounce feedback with somebody, you can always jump on our Discord server, scannerschool.com slash Discord. And of course, if you think there's somebody out there that you know that might benefit from something we talked about in today's podcast episode, please share that episode with them. Transfer my knowledge from me to you to them. Be a part of the solution, right? Share the podcast episode with them, forward it over to them, and let them get some ideas of their own. As a reminder, I'm always looking for questions for our next Ask Scanner School session. So if you can go to scannerschool.com slash ask or pick up the phone right now and dial 516-308-2885, leave me a voicemail, and we will get it answered on an upcoming Ask Scanner School podcast episode. Make sure you subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Make sure you hit subscribe here on the podcast player or over on YouTube. And again, thank you so much for listening. Before we wrap up this week's podcast, I want to take a minute here to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Altrack, Arthur Heron, Bill Kay, Bob Rops, Bob Milton, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Dombrowski, Dave Pascoe, David C., Danny Crotty, Dylan Heider, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, I Hate Junk Mail, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, James Broxson, James Felling, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, Joe Curtis, Joe P., John Cordoff, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R, Mark Beebe, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Michael Meadows, Mike Lopez, Mike Piltz, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Randy Lee Wright, Raymond Hill, Rich Palmieri, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Scott Lefgren, Terry Wright, Tim Mazet, Todd Glendie, and William Arcand. Find out more about Patreon and our support tiers by visiting scannerschool.com Patreon. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week. 73.